0: of the Belt and Road Podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory, who are professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belt and Road Initiative. Voices of the Belt and Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Greg Stetz, co-founder of Belton Road Advisory, and this is the Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. In this episode, we return to our business series and tackle a question that we've been asked multiple times. How to access Belt and Road funding? The magnitude of the Belt and Road Initiative captures imagination all around the world. And for good reasons. According to estimations by 2030, as much as 2 trillion US dollars could be invested in BRI projects worldwide. Many governments, companies and individuals would like to access those BRI funds. But how to do so remains unclear. But first things first. Where does BRI funding actually come from? Perhaps unsurprisingly, the vast majority of BRI financing is Chinese finance. Foreign investors are increasingly looking for ways to jointly finance BRI projects, but up to now their participation in the initiative has been very limited. That's partially because foreign investors do not have the appetite to invest in some of the countries BRI is focused on, but also because the Chinese side have expressed limited desire to engage foreign capital. That may well change and we will continue to keep a close eye on the matter. But the fact remains that BRI is dominated by Chinese financiers and contractors. Let us discuss what actors specifically are issuing BRI funds. The biggest players are policy banks. China's three policy banks were created in 1994 and are state-funded. They are development financing institutions with funds allocated both at home and abroad. In particular, two of them, China Development Bank and Export-Import Bank of China, have significant capital assigned to infrastructure projects overseas. To give you an idea of the size of the players that we are talking about here, their combined total assets exceed the sum of all the Western-backed development banks combined. On top of that, these policy banks do not suffer from the same capital constraints as the multilateral development banks, because they can tap into the extensive foreign reserves held by the Chinese government, which amount to approximately 3 trillion US dollars. Their focus is clearly set on infrastructure and related activities. Moreover, China's policy banks can raise finance easily through debt markets at low interest rates, given the fact that they can benefit from an implicit state guarantee. So these banks have a long time horizons and often offer loans at concessional rates for the largest BRI projects. One of the advantages, or disadvantages depending on your viewpoint, that working with Chinese partners can provide is the joint offering of both financing and contracting. Chinese engineering and construction firms have become technically very competent through scaling up their operations at home and abroad. And choosing to work with them increases the likelihood of securing financing from one of China's policy banks as they give preferential treatment to projects using Chinese contractors. That is in part due to reduced perception of risk and increased confidence in project completion. Another group of actors are China's commercial banks. These banks also have funding available for overseas infrastructure projects, but their resources are much more limited than in the case of the policy banks. While both the major commercial banks and policy banks are state-owned, the policy banks take on large economic development projects. The commercial banks take on deposits and operate more like retail banks and need to make a return on their investments. Third group are Chinese local governments. Many of Chinese provinces are actively seeking to support their firms to expand operations from China and move production to countries where labor costs less. The advantage of partnering with Chinese local governments is that they may support investment promotion and encourage their firms to relocate. This was the case in the Ethiopia-Hunan Special Economic Zone, where Changsha Photon, Hengyang-TBEA, Hunan Changgao, Sani, Heavy Industry and other leading enterprises from Hunan have offered their support for the Special Economic Zone. Given their political status, Chinese provinces are incentivized to implement BRI strategies. If you understand the strategy of such Chinese partner, you can leverage it to your advantage and easily make an offering that will be welcomed by the partner. You can visit our website or listen to the previous podcast episode of this business series to get information on how to do it. A financial mechanism that you might have heard about in BRI context is the Silk Road Fund. The Chinese government has created the fund with total capital of 43.5 billion US dollars explicitly to support BRI projects. The Silk Road Fund aims to make investments that improve trade between China and its neighbors, especially in Central Asia. But its first investments were concentrated in the hydroelectric sector in Pakistan in order to strengthen the China Pakistan Economic Corridor, an element of the Belt and Road Initiative. More recently, the fund has been looking at Uzbek oil and gas projects and also made investments in the Yamal gas project in Russia. The value of the Silk Road Fund is, however, only around 1% of all the BRI funding coming from China. Another institution often mentioned in the context of BRI is the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. The AIIB is a multilateral development bank headquartered in Beijing and operational since 2016. It has authorized capital of 100 billion US dollars and supports infrastructure investments. However, in comparison to the policy banks, its available capital to spend each year is smaller, in the region of 3 to 5 billion US dollars annually. The bank also has much more stringent approval processes and operates more like an investment bank seeking to make profit, which limits the countries and sectors it can work in. What is more, the authorities of the bank clearly state that they do not consider themselves to be part of the institutional framework established to implement the Belt and Road Initiative. We also heard from an AIIB advisor that the bank struggles to find BRI projects that would meet its requirements. Now, let's take a look at Panda Bonds. There are those issued in Chinese Yuan on the Chinese mainland. Panda Bonds can be issued by the developing country governments for general financing or for a specific purpose. Given that an increasing proportion of developing countries' trade and investments is dominated in Chinese Yuan, it may make sense going forward to diversify borrowings and tap into the Chinese debt market. Poland was the first European country to do this in 2016, and the Philippines became the first Southeast Asian nation in 2018. Finally, there is also private Chinese capital. Putting aside national champions, we're still in the early stages of China's private companies internationalizing and participating in the Belt and Road Initiative. However, since the BRI became enshrined in Party's constitution, it has become increasingly important and urgent for all companies in China, including private ones, to develop their Belt and Road strategies. These actors do not have as much experience as the big state-backed construction giants who have been operating abroad for decades, but are quick to learn. Already, we see the likes of Alibaba pushing their internationalization strategies, and we'll see much more of that. Okay, but how can you actually access the Chinese BRI financing? Well, having the right branding for your project is the key. Let's take a look at a case study, Finest Bay project developed between Finland and Estonia. Finest Bay is an urban infrastructure project spearheaded by Peter Vesterbacka, a former executive of Rovio, the company behind the worldwide famous mobile game series Angry Birds. The project is led by a consortium including PORI and AINS group. And once completed it will link the capitals of Finland and Estonia, Helsinki and Tallinn. Currently the two cities are connected with a ferry connection that sets the journey time at around 100 minutes. The project envisions the two cities to be connected by an undersea train that would limit the commute time down to a mere 20 up to 30 minutes. While the project received approval from the Finnish government, the 15 billion euro funding remains an issue and construction has not yet started. As a result, Westerbacca has looked to Chinese funding clearly linking the Finest Bay project with the Belt and Road Initiative and offering as much as 70% of the project to Chinese financiers. In his own words, quote, This project is perfectly aligned with China's Belt and Road Initiative. It's obvious that there would be a big interest from China to connect with Europe, and we happen to be the closest neighbor of China in Europe. Unquote. In fall 2016, Vesterbaka came to China for eight weeks in order to better understand Chinese culture and develop personal relations with Chinese business partners. This combined with Belt and Road branding clearly worked, as in March 2018, the consortium behind the project claimed, quote, to be months away from breaking ground on the project thanks to unnamed Chinese investors." Investor Backup plans to meet the project completion date of December 2024. This case shows us that to access BRI funding, you need to develop a BRI brand for your project. In the case of the Finest Bay project outlined above, its motivations and objectives clearly align with the BRI. It is focused on infrastructure, has government approval, and it's also important for the Polar Silk Road. And just a quick explanation here. So the Polar Silk Road is an integral component of the Belt and Road Initiative and runs from China to Europe through Arctic. Peter Vesterbacka is actually aware of this and as such has played on it in his attempt to secure Chinese financing. If you are interested in learning more about the Polar Silk Road, listen to the podcast episode in which we discussed its development with Sebastian Marduk Gibson. While negotiations between Westerbacca and the Chinese are still underway, the fact that they're even happening speaks volumes for the way the project was branded and framed as fitting into the broader objectives of BRI. Another example is DHL, a global logistics player that seeks to tap into BRI. DHL has developed promotional materials in which it has positioned itself as a key player in the BRI, showing how the company utilizes the newly established rail connections between China and Europe. You can apply a similar approach. Analyze the trends in Chinese investments in your sector, be it infrastructure, agriculture or tourism. You can see our Belt and Road 101 report for examples. Then as the second step. Develop your own BRI promo materials showing how your activities fit into the Belt and Road initiative and explain what role can your company play within BRI. By framing your project as fitting under the BRI, coupled with finding strong Chinese partners who can make the right introductions, you will have made the first step in securing BRI financing. At Belton Road Advisory, we stand ready to support you and help you to build your BRI brand, find the right partners, and leverage all of that to secure financing. Visit our website www.beltonroadadvisory.com to learn more and schedule a free 13-minute consultation call with us. And that's it for this episode. See you next week.
0: this week's Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road initiative, check out our website at Ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and dot ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.